welcome to Arbitral Insights, a podcast series brought to you by our international arbitration practice lawyers here at Reed Smith. I'm Jose Estigarraga, Global Head of Reed Smith's International Arbitration Practice. I hope you enjoy the industry commentary, insights, and anecdotes we share with you in the course of this series, wherever in the world you are. If you have any questions about any of the topics discussed, please do contact our speakers. And with that, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Arbitral Insights. I'm Timothy Cook, International Arbitration Barrister and Partner in the Singapore office of Reed Smith. And I'm here today with James Willen, International Arbitration Partner in Reed Smith's office in Dubai. In this podcast, James and I are going to discuss the concept of peak oil and its impact on international arbitration. And we'll look at how the transition away from fossil fuels in the coming years will affect the sorts of energy disputes we see in commercial and treaty cases. The idea of peak oil has been around for decades. It's the notion that at some point, the rate of global extraction of petroleum reaches its highest level and afterwards declines from that high point. As the world's reserves become harder and harder to tap, it's becoming less economic for petroleum to be extracted. And now with concerns of climate change driving innovation into renewable energy and away from fossil fuels, the peak may be in view. Of course, predictions that will reach the peak imminently, that it's just round the corner or just a few years away, have been made since the 1950s. And current predictions place peak oil anywhere between 2022 and 2040. So, James, turning to disputes, um, the energy sector, and in particular upstream oil and gas, has for many years been one of the primary drivers for both international commercial and treaty cases. And there's no doubt that the transition away from primary reliance on fossil fuels will impact um, arbitration. So do you see an increase or reduction in disputes as a result? Thanks for that, Tim. Yeah, there's there's a sort of perception, perhaps, that given, as you said, upstream oil and gas has been so dominant in terms of arbitrations and, and this disputes globally, that as we tend to move away from our reliance on those hydrocarbons there's a slight perception that those sorts of disputes may actually may actually drop off in terms of i suppose energy arbitrations i don't see it that way i actually think certainly within the the transition period as in the, the period of time as you rightly said between moving away from a dependence into i think a less dependence not not completely cut off but kind of a less dependence on those hydrocarbons that transition period i think you're going to see a huge spike in disputes and and, and subsequent arbitrations and i think we'll, we'll get into the sort of the, the details of what those disputes might be and their implications but i think the headline points are really that you know that there there, there will be different energy demands, there'll be renewables, there'll be a bigger push on to nuclear. And whilst we've seen some disputes in renewables, we've seen one or two big disputes in nuclear, but not but not many for, for very obvious reasons. There aren't there aren't so many of them. Those disputes are only going to rise. Um, and they will become more technical. And I think that's that's going to be a, a real issue for arbitrations. The, the sort of common dispute problems that we've been used to in the upstream oil and gas for you know many many years, fifty plus years, are going to change really because you're, you're going to be dealing with different technologies, different equipments, different means of construction, 
so it will, it will require a whole new selection of experts, um, consultants, even legislation. So for me, certainly within that, that transition period away from our dependence on hydrocarbons, I, I'd, I'd, I'd be absolutely gobsmacked if we don't see a, a huge rise in, in, in disputes and, and arbitral disputes because arbitration remain, remains the, the most popular way for resolving the disputes given the, the, the significant state-owned and investor parties that, that tend to be involved in, in the, the energy side. So they're definite upticking disputes for me. Yeah, I think I think I agree. And in relation to those traditional forms of upstream disputes that you're referring to, I think those may, I mean, they're certainly going to continue. They might change in character, not least because I think if you look at the sorts of ways in which uh, hydrocarbons have traditionally been extracted through you know, the use of expertise and the oil majors and so on. There's been so much technology transfer in the last 30, 40 years that, as I think, things like production sharing contracts are coming to an end. There are different players who are coming in to perform those extraction um, obligations now. I think it's more likely to be state-owned companies, those those sorts of um, national oil companies that may take on those um, obligations, not least because I think the economics have changed. It's more difficult for um, uh, just the extraction process to take place. It's more and more complicated each, you know, as each year goes by, and so the economics change. And you, I think you see this also in the sorts of terms that, well, I'm, my experience is mainly production sharing contracts, but you see though now that sort of cost recovery principles there now are getting harder, you know, tighter and tighter, and make it harder and harder to recover those costs so that I wonder whether that, that really it will be down to state-owned national companies to to continue those sorts of exploitation activities. I think you're absolutely right there, Tim. You've got that you've got that sort of conflict, haven't you, at the moment. I think a really good recent example was the was the Cambo oil field in, in, in North Sea. So I think very recently it's in the public domain that, that Shell decided not to take up the option to invest in exploration of, of that, that particular field uh, in the North Sea. And that's kind of indicative of where the, the, the global ONG companies, the, the big majors, they're, they're going. They are pushing towards renewables. They are pushing towards clean energy. They have their stakeholders. Uh, they have their shareholders. Um, and there is there is just a demand from those shareholders from clean energy so that the majors are following their clients really but that doesn't necessarily mean as again as you, you quite rightly say that oil and gas is going to drop off a cliff someone is going to um is going to explore and and, and mine for that that those those hydrocarbons and that will be the uh, the state-owned entities your ramcos your adnocs because they're valuable assets for, for these state-owned companies they're, they're valuable assets for, for the, the, the countries themselves i was actually at a, a, a talk this morning on this on this very subject and the the middle eastern states have a have a slightly different view not not i guess massively unsurprisingly on what transition looks like so for them transition isn't completely turning off the taps for them a transition is a is a more diverse portfolio of energy so a mixture of hydrocarbons the traditional hydrocarbons plus your renewables plus plus your nuclear that that to them is their kind of 
clean portfolio for for very understandable reasons. They've, they've got some you know highly profitable assets under the ground that need resourcing. So they're going to take up the the bulk of the market, the ONG market. And I think where that's going to be interesting for the likes of me and you, Tim, I don't think it's that controversial to say that that arbitrations in in, in involving state-owned entities tend to go the distance. For my, my last three to four years, I've predominantly been involved in arbitral disputes where I'm either on for the investor slash contractor or I'm even on for the, the state-owned entity. And with without exception, all three of those arbitrations went all the way. And it's for a variety of political and, and cost reasons. The, from the cost perspective, it, you know, the, the budgets have been signed off for state entities, for, for states for the year. Those entities then have a kind of responsibility to manage the public purse. So commercial settlements are actually quite difficult to push through without a direction from a tribunal, without an award. It's it's very difficult to, 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 to get a commercial settlement when you're dealing with a state and ONG company. It's also very difficult to get sign-off for these commercial settlements purely from an individual perspective. So as I said, as a matter of course, these, these arbitrations do tend to go all the way. So where I think, as you say, the market's going to be sucked up by these uh, the state-owned companies, I think you're going to see fuller, longer arbitral disputes almost becoming a matter of a course. I don't know about you, Tim. I've, I've never done a mediation with a state-owned or company or at least gotten off the ground. And settlement discussions themselves almost feel like lip service as opposed to actually looking to achieve anything. I'm not, not sure you have a similar experience. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that often what I've seen in, in, in those sorts of cases is that, that very often actually there's also a regulator in the mix. And it, there could be some sometimes blurring of lines with with you know state-owned oil company and and the the national regulator, and in my experience that also creates difficulties and and sometimes tensions between those when you're dealing with issues like cost recovery because it's you know which which way you reach agreement depends or will turn will decide which way some which pocket the money goes into, and you know that that's very difficult. I find to to reach a happy resolution on, an, in a, for example, a mediation. In some ways, it's easier when an arbitral tribunal tells the parties, uh, "Well, this is you know where the money lies. This is who's entitled to that particular recovery," and everyone can follow that award. Uh, and, and in some ways, that's easier. I find massively so. Massively so. The, uh, the irony is on on the last arbitration I did, um, we, we, we were successful. We were, we were on for the contractor. It was a well-known state-owned company on the other side. And actually, the, the commercial settlements didn't actually start start until the award came out. <laughs> that was the basis for the negotiations. All of a sudden, I was getting requests for a mediation, having spent, you know, thick end of 18 months trying to, trying to get a mediation off the ground because, you know, my client's a commercial entity and arbitrations are, are expensive. But the the moment the award comes out, the other side reached out and we sort of went into some commercial negotiations at that point. So, yeah, I, I say, I think for the likes of myself and you, I, I think it's it's going to lead to more contested and, and longer arbitrations in the oil and gas sector, particularly going forward. I think there'll be uh, perhaps a slightly marked difference is, is actually when you're starting to deal with renewables. We've only really, I think, from an arbitration perspective, 
um, scratch the surface on that one. I've done some advisory work on some renewable works, but to date, I've I've not had a full blown arbitration in in the pure renewables sector as of yet. Simply because it's it's as I say it's so new and the the, the infrastructures aren't, aren't up and running as yet. But that's going to I think have a huge impact on, um, on what me and you do for a living. I think on on so many levels. Just a few that come to mind is is just pure geography. You know, I'm I'm, I'm sat here in the Middle East heart of oil and gas sector it's it, it's all pretty much in 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 this part of the world but as soon as you start building into renewables as soon as you're starting to be nuclear you're you're shifting the actual the jurisdictions and the geographies of where these arbitrations are going to take place and i think that's going to be fascinating i really do you're going to have you know potentially a a move away from more civil law seated arbitration disputes you know, one of the peculiarities of litigating against the, the sort of Middle East and state-owned entities is they always demand the, the seat of the state and they have the bargaining power. So when you're dealing with more renewables, more bespoke work, more non-traditional energy infrastructure works, you're likely to um, get, a, get a shift away in jurisdiction and a push away from sort of, I think, civil law seated arbitration disputes, which is a common law uh, <laughs> lawyer by background. That doesn't seem such a bad thing. What's your thoughts on that then, Tim? Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that because if you, again, if you look back at, and I'm just looking at, again, upstream oil and gas disputes, if you look at the something like production sharing contracts from again, 20, 30 years ago, they tended to be ad hoc arbitration in the sorts of seats that we're all familiar with. Like in those days, it would have been London, New York, Paris, but you wouldn't necessarily see one of those dispute clauses referring to Singapore or Hong Kong or Dubai. And if nothing else, I think that the state-owned oil companies, you know, and those who are involved in extraction generally tend to be have a greater voice now in determining where these disputes are going to be held. I think historically you just go with the usual suspects, but now it's not at all uncommon to see institutional arbitration um, chosen and seats all over the world. And that and I think those will undoubtedly be influenced, you know, by obviously the identities of those parties more so than before, but also, yeah, the geographies of, of where these projects may take place as well. And there's going to be a, a, a belt of, of sort of solar projects all around um, the centre of the world, but, you know, wind projects um, further afield, and there will be, I'm sure, all sorts of disputes all over. I mean, I've certainly been involved in disputes in Germany, the UK, Hong Kong and Singapore in, in some of the renewables um, sectors but they haven't been the sorts of big sort of upstream stuff that you and I are familiar with it's it's really the first baby steps you know the the initial rollout of a a test project or putting together you know an offshore wind farm and and the sorts of associated problems with that with technical problems associated with that so there's that sort of infrastructural disputes that we'll see but certainly and I think they're obviously going to be more and more of that and as time goes on we'll It'll be interesting to see what becomes the dominant sort of dispute. You know, historically we had you know disputes under JOAs and and, and production zone contracts and concessions and so on. But but 
they won't disappear. I think you're right. You know, you talked about the, how the, the Middle East envisages a portfolio of, of um, different means of energy production. And so I don't think those sorts of disputes are going to um, disappear into nothing. But what will, what will grow is certainly, I know that a lot of the work that you do, that sort of off, offshore construction in the, in the renewable space will be very interesting. And, and probably couple that with, with your more traditional offshore construction of stuff in tandem. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, geographically more diverse. I think it's going to throw up interesting issues of, uh, you know, that we in arbitration circles get excited about um, in a way that perhaps they haven't in the past. Yeah, and actually, and one of the things I think may come out of this is um, you might potentially get a, a shift in, in contractual bargaining power. So, as you said, like, I, I, I can't remember the last time I looked at a kind of more mundane, let's say, oil and gas type and con- offshore construction dispute where you're, you're looking at a kind of recognised uh, seat. As I say, you normally get, you normally get the, the choice of the state. However, as you're shifting into renewables, uh, nuclear, you're you're going to be, you know, initially anyway, you're going to be very reliant on very specialist contractors, incredibly specialist uh, suppliers. So, in theory, you should actually start to see a bit of a bit of a shift in that contractual bargaining power away from potentially the. Um, the, the big state companies or indeed even the majors because you need you know very specialist very niche entities and companies to, to deliver these types of infrastructure projects they're then they're not you know the, the more vanilla type arrangements so that'll be an interesting one in the sense that myself and you in about two years time might might start to see some <laughs> more more recognized seats with within our con- contracts because certainly for the last four or five years for me if um if i see anything seated in in london or paris i, I think i fall off my chair because it's uh, it's so unknown but exciting really exciting and and you know rather nerd-like genuinely quite quite looking forward to to see what's on the horizon Absolutely. Well, thanks, James. I think that's probably all we have time for today. So, well, thank you very much for our discussion, your insights and predictions. I think it it seems that really no matter the twists and turns in the path ahead in this transition from fossil fuels towards renewables or whatever mix there may be in future, there's no doubt that international arbitration in the energy sector is set for change. So thank you for listening to this episode of Arbitral Insights. If you have any questions about what we've covered today, please do get in touch with James or me. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tim. Arbitral Insights is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's global international arbitration practice, email Garaga at jia at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, ReadSmith.com, and our social media accounts at ReadSmith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.